0: Now turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 4, and we're going to get into some things we've been talking about for a few weeks here. Revelation 4, and somebody tell me, what are we talking about today? The reason we are on this planet and the reason we are here, why are you here? Is there a reason above what you thought for your existence today? You know, when you look at the vast universe and you see all the galaxies and the stars, I know you can't see them all, but when you look up in the sky, there's millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of planets in our galaxy, the Milky Way. And then there's millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of galaxies. And there's even more than we can count because we haven't seen the end of it yet with our telescopes or probes or whatever. And so do you ever just walk out in the night sky and go, man, why am I here? This is a big deal. I mean, this is huge. That's a good question. Because until you realize why you're here, you're not going to be fully satisfied. You're going to always be thirsty for something, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much fame you have. I mean, you see it all the time with celebrities that are depressed and they do terrible things to themselves. Well, that shows you right there, fame and money is not what's going to satisfy you. Solomon had more than anybody. Right. He had more. I mean, he had like 300 wives, 700 concubines. He's the richest man in the world. If anybody if if anybody was going to be satisfied by another relationship or more money, it would have been Solomon. Right. And he said, it's all vanity. He said, it's all when it comes right down to it. I thought that's what it was. But I'm telling you, it's not it. It's vanity. It's vain. He ended the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, was saying, we've we come to the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. I mean, he just got done writing book after book, after proverb after proverb, and when it all came right down to it. Zzz, fear God. Worship Him. Love Him. And keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Interesting. He had to go through all these things to come back to the simplicity of Fear God, keep His commandments. But Revelation 4.11. Now, let's look at this scripture. We've been looking at it. Let's look at it again. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, including you. He's the one that said, Be fruitful and multiply. You're here because of His decree to husband and wife. Be fruitful and multiply. Right? So no matter how you got here, don't worry about it. If it wasn't perfect, it still comes back to the decree of God. Be fruitful and multiply. So He's created all things, and for your pleasure, Father, God, they are and were created. So, let's just say this right off the bat. You're here today because God's pleased with you being here. He wanted you here, one translation says, God wanted you here, and therefore He told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, and husbands and wives from then on be fruitful and multiply. God wanted you. You're not a nobody. You're very important to the Lord. He, want, he expected you. Like I said, you may not have come the perfect way. You know, Maybe there were some weird, interesting situations in how you got here. That doesn't matter. You didn't come from those people. You came through them. That's right. And even though they maybe didn't abide exactly the way God said to do it, He's the one that still said, this is how my man's going to get here through man and wife being fruitful and multiplying and replenishing the earth. So you're here because God wanted you here and He's pleased that you're here. Whether your mommy and daddy liked you or not, whether your kid, the friends in school liked you or teachers liked you or people, listen, you're here, God loves you, He's pleased with you, He likes you, He wants you, and He has a plan for your life. Right. All right, we got that settled? Yes. Now Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen says that if people don't get clear what God's vision is for their life, they will perish. How important is it to know why you're here? Well, how important is it to perish or not perish? The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law happy is he. Anybody interested in happiness? Anybody interested in not perishing? Well, then you need to be interested in God's plan for your life. His vision for your life. I know we can dream up our own vision, but why? When he's got a greater vision than you could ever dream up. One translation says, because people have no vision, they cast off restraint. They live immoral lives because there's no higher reason to get their act together. Where there's no vision, people become demoralized. How important is it to have a vision? How important is it to know why you're here? Well, all these things put together will tell you why. Now, turn to John 4. John chapter 4. I said earlier that, you know, if a person is a round peg, you know, figuratively speaking, obviously, and trying to be fit in a square hole, how many know that's going to be frustrating? To try to get a round peg in a square hole. Or a square peg in a round hole. I mean, that'd be frustrating. And no matter how much you overlay the peg in pure gold and diamonds and all kinds of precious metals, it still ain't going to fit in a square shape. And this is what people are trying to do. They're trying to brighten up their lives without finding out what God has for them. And they get all the gold, they get all the fame, and they still, boom, commit suicide. Why? Because they don't fit. They know they don't fit. They're dissatisfied. They're thirsty. Something's wrong, and it's deeper than money and fame and material stuff. You need to know why you're here. Or you're always going to have this attitude of something's missing. Something's missing. I'm not satisfied. You know, a, a band a while back called U2, had a song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You ever heard that song? Still haven't found what I'm looking for? Still haven't found what I'm looking for? Maybe you're looking in the wrong place. Right. Right. The only person who has the perfect fit for you is Jesus. Yes. Right. I mean, he said, I, I, I've climbed highest mountains. Right? What I've run through the fields only to be with you. I spoke with the tongues of angels, held the hand of the devil. I'm thinking, Bono, listen, don't you see what's going on here? You're trying to find what you're looking for. You need to find what he's looking for in you. That's where satisfaction comes because he's already got it planned out. It's not what I'm looking for. What's he looking for in you? That's where you fit. That's the royal place that God wants you. If not, you'll still be thirsty. He's got millions. And singing a song, still haven't found what I'm looking for. I feel for him. Still dissatisfied. Tried this, tried that, but never got to the place where he fit where God... Here, Paul put it like this. Paul said, I follow after. Now listen closely. Paul said that I may apprehend that for which Christ has apprehended me Philippians chapter 3 Paul said I want to apprehend that for which Christ apprehended me I want to find out what he has for my life and I want to grow in that and flow in that cuz that's when you be set so look here in John 4 verse 24 Jesus is talking. He says, oh boy, the wrong one. 414. Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. So you can't just be drinking anything you want and not be thirsty and get that eternal you know, a thing inside of you quenched and satisfied. He says, you got to go to the Lord and get this satisfaction. Come on, if you want to be satisfied, you're going to have to see what the Lord has for your life, not just what you want to do. Now that was worth your time being here today, right there. If you drink of the water I have for you, you will thirst no more. If you're thirsty, maybe maybe, 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 you're not seeking the Lord about what He has for your life. And why you're here and what you're supposed to be doing. Hmm? So, look at John 4, 34 now. We'll, we'll skip 24 for now. <laughs> John 4, 34. I hope this is the right one. Jesus said... Now, He's, he's talking to his disciples who went back to the city and bought some food because they were all very hungry and tired and he's talking to a woman at the well about her life and actually gets her saved in the whole city after this conversation but Jesus said unto them to the disciples said Lord here's some food here's some food come on man you need to eat you need to eat you need to get some strength you need to get some energy and Jesus said my meat that word is nourishment or meat or food my meat or my satisfaction you could say is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So where does satisfaction in life come from? Huh? Where does nourishment come from? Now, I'm going to relate this to the video we just showed because we've got to get into this before the day's over. I only got a few more minutes. There is a satisfaction from finding out your place in the church. Realizing you're not just a sitter. You're also a server. This is a huge, huge deal, guys. Our attitude, our thoughts, our actions, our commitments to the local church is huge when it comes to your true satisfaction and the nourishment and and your thirst being quenched in life. Huge deal. People have not yet looked at the local church. Now some have, some are seeing it. Praise God we're seeing it. But there's still some, they still have not quite seen what the local church really is supposed to be in their life. Mm -hmm. It's not just an organization. It's not just a place where we come where there's nice nice music and nice chairs with five inch lumbar support and hear a nice message and be entertained. That's movie theaters. That's that's the opera. That's uh, plays on Broadway. Church is totally different. It's kingdom business. You know, it's so interesting. I just had jury duty and I actually got selected and got to go through the whole process uh, two days, three days ago. And I got selected. And while I'm in there, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm watching the video here and all these people talking about their experience with jury duty and all this. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, Lord, what, can is anything you want to talk to me about this? He goes, yeah, there's something I want to talk to you about it. And he told me? He said, if my people would take their part in the church as honorable... As you take jury summons, my church would be able to get a lot more done. I'm sitting there thinking, I have to be here because there's an imprisonment fine. But I, I, I even, another motive came on the scene. The more I started seeing why I'm here, I wanted to be there. This was an honorable thing that I could be a part of to help our community be as godly and as right and as whatever as it could be. And so I'm sitting there watching the video, realizing, I'm thinking I'll probably be out here, you know, before noon, you know, because I won't get selected. There's two, three hundred people here. But um, they call us to our, they say, all the blue go over here. You have a one day trial. All the orange go over here. You might have a two week trial. And I'm thinking, thank God I'm blue, because it's, it's my first time. It's my first time. I mean, now I wouldn't mind if I was orange because I went through it. I felt like I did something. We accomplished something. Did it go exactly the way I wanted to? No. But I did my best and we at least got something done. Yeah. It wasn't perfect. It's not a perfect system. The, ju- the jurors weren't perfect. But we had to come to a decision and we find... But what I'm saying, I sense the Lord said, if my people would take their part in the church as serious and as honorable as a summons, the church would get a lot more done. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when I got the summons, I thought, first thought was, how can I get out of this? <laughs> I think it's the way a lot of people at church. How can I get out of going to church today? I could have got out. There would have been some consequences. And I don't know whether they realize or not, there's consequences for not hooking up and being the part in the church that God's called you to be. That's right. There's consequences. It may not be prison, but it's stuff that... that <clears throat> a lot of people are experiencing unnecessary adversity today. You know what I mean by unnecessary? If you just do some certain little things the Lord told you to do, you'd miss the adversity. Let me, give you, let me give you something here. The Bible says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. Yeah. And that sound good to anybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It didn't say, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the Lone Ranger Christian. No? No. That's right, Christian. Didn't say that. That's right. who, who are almost all the letters in the New Testament written to? Church. Churches, uh, plural. Right? Jesus said, actually, why don't you look at this scripture in John chapter 2, and I believe it's verse 17, out of the Contemporary English Version. John two seventeen out of the Contemporary English Version. Golly, I don't even see that one on my notes, but it's a really good scripture. Yeah, it's, it's way at the back here, because um, we're running out of time. The disciples, Jesus went through the temple and was very displeased with how they were doing things in the temple. They were, chained, they were uh, doing all kinds of weird selling and buying and stuff that was not right. And it says the disciples remembered the scripture that says, talking about Jesus here, the Lord said, My love for your house, Father, burns in me like a fire. Wow. This is Jesus talking about his attitude toward the church in the New Testament. Synagogue back then, but now the church. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me how Jesus even pointed people to a very imperfect church all through his ministry. Go show yourselves to the priests and offer the cleansing that Moses commanded. The lepers went and they were healed as they went. Jesus loves the church. He loves it. It's the work of God in the earth. And whether you realize it this very moment or not, if you're a born-again believer, you have a valuable, irreplaceable, to the at least in the sense of there's no one like you. God at times has to call in reinforcements. It's sad. Actually, too much of this is happening in the church today. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul said Epaphroditus almost died serving you guys in the church because of your lack of service toward the church. In 1 Corinthians 16, 17, he even talks about Stephanus, the same thing. He says, he came on the scene and supplied your lack of service. Too much of that is going on. Way too much of that is going on. I don't think believers are reward-minded enough. Are you listening to me? Keith Moore is teaching a great series right now on, on rewards and how Christians are going to be rewarded for certain things. And I think the, revel- the biggest revelation I've heard out of those teachings so far is this. Is that our righteousness has zero to do with what we do. But our rewards have everything to do with what we do. Yeah. The Bible says every man's work shall be tried. That's yours. That's mine. That's every man's. What work? The work in the building up of the building Jesus is building in the earth. I will build my church. Every man's work is going to be tried by fire. And he said some of it's going to stand the test. The gold is just going to be more glistening when the fire is done. The silver is going to be more glistening. But the hay is going to be burned up in some people's lives because their works were not according to the will of God. They were not done with the right heart. They were just doing what they wanted to do. And it says their works will be up in a puff of smoke, yet they themselves will be saved. Thank you, Lord. That shows you right there. Salvation is one thing. Rewards is another thing. And that reward day is just around the corner. He said, I'm coming back with rewards for those who were faithful doing what I called them to do. Now, what does that mean? Well, number one, it means your part in the body. Yeah. Right. Jesus calls the church his body. I know you can go too far with any subject. I know it could be church, 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 to the point where, you know, we never win souls or, you know. No, there's a balance. But the ter- people have gotten way off. we got to bring it back to the middle of the road here. Church is important. Your part in the church is very important and very honorable. You have a part to help build up the church. This church is called to reach this valley. We're called to reach this city, this valley. I am, you know, let me just say that before I end here. A lot of people are, are thinking right now, I'm so burned out. I'm so tired. I'm so weak. Therefore, I just can't get to church. No, no, it's you go to church, start serving like Jesus. It'll fix your weakness. Right. Yeah. You'll have the meat. You'll have the nerve. They're waiting for the strength to do what the Lord said, but the Lord said, if you do what I say, it'll be meat and strength and nourishment to you. Well, as soon as I get stronger, I'll go serve the Lord in that capacity in my church. No, the Lord said, as soon as you serve in that capacity, it'll be meat to you. It'll be food to you. It'll be nourishment to you. So just to give a personal testimony. Carl and I started pastoring this church 32 years ago. Approximately, 32 years ago. And oh my, has the devil wanted to shut it down. (laughs) But you know what? You can't shut down what the Lord started. We've been hit from every angle you can imagine. Demons, flesh, selfishness, this, that, other people. And we have learned something through the years. Now, how do I put this? With all my heart, I believe the Lord commissioned this church into existence. Mm -hmm. Now, the Bible talks about the permissive will of God. The Bible talks about the perfect will of God. Romans says, renew your mind that you may know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And there are some things that God goes, okay, that's acceptable. But what would you feel like if I told you and you did something for me? I said, well, Rich, that's acceptable. (laughs) What would you feel like? I'm accepting it, but maybe it could have been a little better. (laughs) Well, the Bible talks about the perfect will of God. And the Lord revealed this to me. He said, there are a lot of churches that are in my permissive will. I'm permitting them. It's acceptable. But then he said, son, there are some churches that are in my perfect will. Because I actually commissioned them. Somebody's not just doing something they think is good And I was thinking, well, Lord, I don't want to be a part of a church that that's, And I don't know about any other church in town That's between the Lord, the pastor, and the people there I don't know, but I know about this church I look at a lot of these churches as our allies We're doing the same thing, man We're wanting to get this valley saved But I wouldn't want to be a part of a church That I didn't know was commissioned of God I don't want to just go somewhere that's acceptable with God Now, that's all that's around, I understand but I've I learned a long time ago, I don't want to just do something because I want to do it. God, this has got to be a calling. And I want to say this to all of you. Your place in this church, you being here today, church, listen to this. You being here today is not just a job. It's a calling. And it's holy and it's royal and it's going to sound and last forever. It will be tried by fire too. You know what's really big on the earth may go up and smoke at that day. Right? <laughs> hmm? 1 Corinthians 3 says, every man's work shall be tried by fire to see which, which, what he was building with. What are you building with? And oh, guys, being a part, let me, let me just say this personal testimony. This is something Carl and I tapped into over 30 years ago. We realized that church, and this was before I was a pastor. Are you this is when I had my own business. You know, when I had my own business, I was making really good money. Lots of money. 40, 50, 60 bucks an hour at times. Lots of money. But I look back and that job was never my first love. It was never the most important thing in my life. It was never number one. I always couldn't wait to get to church and load equipment down three flights of stairs, up three flights of stairs, set up for Satellite Seminar. Are you kidding me? Norval Hayes is going to be on Satellite Seminar. John Osteen's going to be preaching. My pastor's going to be sharing the Word. I get to teach Sunday school. And one person showed up and it was my mom. And it was awesome because I got to teach. It was wonderful. I loved it. And then two people showed up. And boy, we had a meeting. And then five people showed up. I'm just preaching faithfully, having fun. And then I go back to work. Work was important, but it was not the most important thing in my life. The connection with work and church was the most important thing. I was making money to tithe and give offerings and then support. And, oh, there's so much I want to say. And so we started, we realized, so the Lord's blessed us. And we're looking at our lives. And I'm just going to say, that please do not get jealous or envious of what I'm about to say. This didn't happen because Carla and John are special. This happens for anybody who just does what the Lord said. He helps you do it too. But I look at my life, man. I mean, I'm just gonna I'm gonna brag on the Lord for a second. Can I do that? Don't make my glorying void. Okay. I'm gonna. I look at my life. I look at our kids on the front row right now, and I think uh, Hunter's working, and Xander's upstairs working. And look at my family. This, this is worth way more than money could buy. Yeah. And little Judah, <laughs> you're going to be on praise team someday. Because <laughs> Judah means praise. That's awesome. Now, that's... I wouldn't... You could give me a billion dollars of this. Keep your billion. Yeah. Right. Right. This is priceless. Yeah. This, this is amazing. Yeah. Our marriage is amazing. Supposed to have been blown up a long time ago. More than once. Yeah. And here we're so excited about this Royal Call Banquet. Our marriage is wonderful. It's heaven on earth. We, are you kidding me? If you're going through anything, you come to us. We've been through ten times worse than you. We'll help you get through if you're just willing to work it out. We've been through worse, more, worse than many people that have gotten divorced. Just come to us and we'll tell you how we did it. And he'll do it for you too. Yeah. Right. If I told you everything we've been through right now, mm-hmm. you'd think... Why in the world are you still together? Because the supernatural power is working in our life. Huh? Health, are you I've been healed of things you're not I mean, there's some serious issues, some things that we've been healed of and delivered of. I'm talking serious. It's so nice to be able to eat a chocolate cookie. I am so thankful. I didn't used to be able to do that. I get all anxious and start freaking out, feel like I'm gonna fall into a coma. One day I got fed up with that got enough teaching of me and rebuked the devil and claimed my healing. Things we're teaching in the church. Faith in God. Faith in grace. Faith in love. Yeah. Prosperity. We are so happy. It's like we've been retired for the last 32 years. Living like a king and a queen. It's been wonderful. People, people say I went up for retirement. We've been like living a retired life. It's amazing. The ministry is fun. When you're called, it is. <laughs> you know what else? God has set us with people that I call the princes of his people. You know, we went to a meeting one time in Las Vegas and we're out there at a dinner with uh, Jer- uh, Jesse Duplantis and he asked us, can I come to your church? Yeah. Can I be your friend? We said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> come on. I mean, there's people writing letters trying to get these people to come to their church year after year after year after year after year. God just gives them to us. Yeah. Friends with Keith Moore is a very high privilege. Him and Phyllis, great friends. Mark and Trina Hankins, princes of God's people. We didn't ask for it. God put it together. And then, recently, Brother Moore says, the Lord says, I'm standing here, Carla's standing there, Brother Keith comes up to me and puts his finger on my chest and says, Thus saith the Lord, this valley is yours. I've given it to you. Lay hold on it. Possess it. Points to Carla. This valley is yours. This valley is yours. I thought of the scripture in Luke where it said he gave to some ten cities and some he gave authority over five cities and some he gave authority over two cities. And it, I just realized, I got a map and I thought, say, Mac, Loma, Grand Junction. He gave me seven cities. He gave me seven cities. I believe it'll carry into the next life too. In the millennium. He gave me seven cities. Let me tell you one of the number one reasons why, and I'll close. Family, kids, grandkids, prosperity, health. I'm nobody special, you guys. Do you understand that? I probably made more mistakes than half of you put together. I just determined not to let go and to keep going back, right? I believe it's because we are wrapped up Tied up and tangled all up in Jesus. No, church. the local church saying Jesus is too unsubstantial, is too invisible. We've got all kinds of people saying, "I love the Lord, I love the Lord," and don't even care about His body at all, or very little. Well, oh, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. I'm just, I'm so wrapped up in Jesus. What's your part in the church? I don't believe go in going to church. You ain't wrapped up in the Lord you got some air castle in your brain. <laughs> the Bible says the church, quote, is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is found in the middle of the seven golden candlesticks. And the seven candlesticks are the local churches in Asia Amen. at that time. Jesus, as his custom was, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. It wasn't a custom, it was his custom. The Bible says, help comes to us from the sanctuary. David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Acts 13, now there were in the church, certain prophets and teachers, Simeon and Barnabas and Nigerus and all these people in the church. Because see, we got some people saying, I don't need to go to church because I am the church. I am the church. Get balanced. You are the church and you need to be in the church. There is opportunity awaiting for people in this church to see amazing things in your life. I believe the Lord revealed it to me that way, and that's why I told it to you that way. We decided a long time ago, if the church means that much to Jesus, then our love for the church burns inside of us too. Stand up, please, dearly beloved.